Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. I'm Molly. Hey, hey, I am Blair. And today we're talking about something that I have experienced a little bit, for sure, but I feel like it kind of comes in and out. We're talking about separation anxiety today. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, it's incredibly common. I'm excited to hear, Blair, from what you've read about ages and stuff, because mm-hmm. I feel like it happened Way, way back. Then it was fine. Yep. And now she's back, baby. Yeah, she's back, baby. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It is separation anxiety is, first of all, completely and totally normal. Normality, yes. Like a lot of the things that we think that are not normal are definitely normal. And especially for separation anxiety, according to this article I found on healthychildren.com, Soothing your child's separation anxiety. There's three stages of it. So there's infants, toddlers, and then preschoolers. Okay. So in infants, separation anxiety develops after a child gains an understanding of object permanence. So once your infant realizes you're really gone, like when you are, like when you leave them, it may leave them unsettled. Although babies display object permanence and separation anxiety as early as four to five months, mm-hmm. most develop more robust separation. <laughs> I love that more robust separation anxiety. Now that's a hearty separation anxiety. <laughs> Big old separation anxiety around nine months. So that's what that is for infants. And then we move on to toddlers. Many toddlers skip separation anxiety in infancy. And start demonstrating challenges at 15 or 18 months of age. My child. Which one? Oh, your five-year-old, now five-year-old or now three-year-old? My five-year-old. My (laughs) three-year-old has not. (laughs) Nor will she ever. (laughs) She's like, I have separation excitement. (laughs) (laughs) She lives for it. She's like, bye-bye. Me time. (laughs) So between the ages of 15 to 18 months of age, separations are more difficult when children are, oh, this just in, hungry, tired, or sick, which is most of toddlerhood. As children develop independence during toddlerhood, they may become even more aware of separations and their behaviors of separations will be loud, tearful, and difficult to stop. Don't we know it? Yes. I remember when... My oldest went to school for the first time. I remember I was talking myself into it. I was like, all right, listen, it's going to have to be like when, when I go. I was like, this is all me. I was also telling my husband too. I was like, when we go, we have to just drop them off. It's got to be cool. It's got to be like, you know, we got to like get in, get out, get in, get out. I did that the first day. The second day was Molly. It was literally hell on earth. Both of us sobbing at the door, not wanting to let go of each other. I really thought that I was like damaging my child by leaving him there. I was so upset. Oh, really? He was yeah. so, mommy, don't go, no go, no go. And I was like, okay, yeah, we don't have to do this. We don't ever have to go to school. You can be dumb forever. Look at me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the first day was sort of like a novelty to him. Exactly. The first day it was like, oh, look, this will be fun for a day. Yeah, look at this. And I was like in and out. I was like, I was like, Bill, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, bye bye. And it was only for like a couple hours. Yeah. But then like the second day was a full half day. And he was like, oh, yes, got it. He was like, oh, no. Mm-mm. Anyway. And then this says for preschoolers, by the time children are three, most clearly understand the effect of their anxiety or please the separation have on us. So they know what they're doing. Right. 
And it doesn't mean that they aren't stressed, but they're certainly vying for a change. So it's like they get it. They want to leave or they don't want to leave, but they know that their effect on how they behave will affect what we do to, you know, do the thing. But here's the good thing. Separation anxiety equals development. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. According to the Boston's Children's Hospital, uh, Dr. Espinoza Luisant. Luisant? (laughs) That's a great name overall. She says, frustrating as it may be in the moment, separation anxiety actually signals key milestones in your child's development. She says that children can be clingy, cry often, and not want to let their caregivers out of sight. Mm -hmm. And that's because they now understand that you can separate from them, but they don't grasp that you're going to come back. Oops, we'll come back. Yeah, maybe. We'll be right back. Yeah, that is interesting because it feels like sometimes these developmental milestones are painful (laughs) for everyone around you. But it's because one thing that stood out to me, too, was that nine month mark that the the robust separation anxiety comes in, the real spicy, spicy separation anxiety. Oh, yes. Flavorful. Isn't that what we learned is about the time that your kid realizes their body is not part of your body? Yep. It's like nine in, nine out. Yeah. When they're nine months out, all of a sudden they're looking at you and going, oh my gosh, I'm not a part of your body, but I need you near me all the time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) To give me the comfort of the previous nine months when I did think I was part of your body. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so weird? And it's like, even just us like talking about it right now, it still like blows my mind. Yes. That they have that, that they come out of you. Like we wait as mothers, we wait that nine months waiting for this thing to come out of us and see it separate from us. But that's not how they see it. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so beautiful, though, at the same time. It is weird. It also makes me, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the sleep episode, too. But like, you know, the times that, you know, co-sleeping versus moving them to whatever, like an arm's reach next to you or the pack and play next to your bed versus moving into the nursery. Like I seen like that nine month mark for some reason (laughs) isn't standing out to me. Like I think we moved my son into his nursery at eight or nine months. He did pretty good with moving out of it, but I don't know. I just, there's something so developmentally. And I guess that's why we post on social media the weeks, you know, versus the years and people make fun of you, but it's because of all those milestones do happen by week and then by month. And now we're just like, I hope I remember to post your birthday. But <laughs> I hope I remember your birthday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but yeah, back then, like so much of these developmental milestones take place month by month. And it's just wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it ebbs and flows like this, you know, it comes in stages and it comes in different, you know, forms. Yeah. They say a lot of times, what does it look like? What does separation look like? Um, when you leave the room, clinging or crying, especially in new situations, like for when the, you're given to a new caretaker. Sure. You know, going to daycare, going to school, or even, you know, you going out with a friend, having coffee and be like, here, hold this baby. And this baby's like, no, thank you. No, thank you, mommy. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You- I used to do, when I lived in New York City, I would do some babysitting. <clears throat> I didn't have a child at the time and I love babies and babysitting and kids at any age. I love them. And also I just like the extra money. And to be frank, <laughs> I love that pocket chain. Yes, indeed. And I watched these two great kids, I think once. And here's how it went. <laughs> one was three and the other one was maybe a year. 
beautiful, great, wonderful children. Yeah. Met them. Their mom was there. She just had to run to an audition or something. She was going to be gone maybe two hours. So I, I was watching them in their Brooklyn home. And when she left, they both, uh, so this is like a preschooler age and a not quite toddler age. And the preschooler at one point <laughs> was crying and looked at me and said, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and she put herself down for a nap. And I was like, oh, that's how it must be. Yeah. Flash forward five years. That is not how it was for me. She's, I, she said, I'm going to bed and she took a nap and it was brilliant wow and then the one-year-old just cried the whole time and the sweet mom who's awesome and these kids are like you know preteens now but the sweet mom called to check in like right before or after her audition and she could hear the baby crying in the background she's like oh no oh no and i said it's okay i'm like you know your older daughter put herself down for a nap (laughs) and she goes yeah she does that when she's upset i'm like good for her good for her the baby has not stopped crying but you know hey no baby has ever hurt, them, hurt themselves from crying too much. It's fine, no, you know? No, we're good. We're good. Oh, but that's still like, even talking about that, like, gives me such anxiety because I was that person that was like, at the audition. You know what I would do? Yeah, I would, what was it? Like, care.com or something. You could just like, I would have people come to the audition. Yes, I did too. And then I would like, there was like a sense of calm. But then when I was in the room, I was like, yep, this is when he's going to lose it. He's going to lose it right now. He's going to lose it right now. They're like, and ready, Blair? And like, you hear like, ah! I was like, oh yeah, that's my, that's my child. That's my child. That's my child. You know, that happened to me a couple of times when I was recording Pinkalicious. And so I would have my babysitter, you know, and I had a good network in New York because I was part of a comedy theater called Upright Citizens Brigade. So mm-hmm. I tons of babysitters who I knew who were improvisers or sketch artists or actors or what have you. So I had a really good network, but they would come and then the studio was nice enough to like give us an office nice. for the baby and the babysitter to hang out in. And 90% of the time it was great. And I do remember one time being in the booth and this is essentially a soundproof booth. That you record in, and I could 100% hear my sweet baby crying in the. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're just like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I am so sorry F- to the baby. I feel terrible. You f- have inter- incredible guilt. Mm-hmm. And of course, to the sound engineers, <laughs> <laughs> to everyone else who are trying to do their job. Yes. So, what I did was I started having the babysitters meet me at local restaurants. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like Starbucks, like, you know, I don't buy their things, but Chick-fil-A had the best changing table. <laughs> so I had them meet me there and I was like, but you are not allowed to buy chicken sandwiches. <laughs> but it was so, it was the kind of thing where like, I don't know how to say it. I guess I had some separation anxiety or something like, not even I had it, but like I had the, such guilt. Yes. Even though I knew intellectually what you said is true. I know it's normal and good. It is. But I was like, oh God, that just that guilt is so hard. And it's hard to remember in your brain when your emotions are high. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly enough, Molly, something we'll touch on when we get back is, oh, oh wait, this is real fun, that there is a such thing called maternal separation anxiety get out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll discuss we'll discuss is it between the mother and her bed <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes i do have that kind of yes i do have that yeah unfortunately no it's got to do with the kid <laughs> got it we'll be right back 
It's January, and for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan-vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com toddler to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hello, everybody. We're back with Toddler Purgatory. Did you have separation anxiety from us while we were gone? <laughs> Probably not, because we voice all the ads. <laughs> so it was like we're still hanging out. You're good. You're good. It's all right. It's all right. We love you. We love you. When we left off in the previous part, we were hearing something that I have never heard of before, which is maternal separation anxiety. Even though I've never heard of it, I immediately get it. I immediately recognize it. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep. So I'm like scrolling and I see this maternal separation. I was like, like, what is this? Yeah. And then I started reading the symptoms and I was like, oh, (laughs) are they in my brain? Oh, this is directly from my brain. It's also from psychedmommy.com blog. And it says that maternal separation anxiety looks different for everyone as any kind of anxiety looks different for everyone. Right. But most often includes increased irritability, excessive worry, low mood, Anger or rage, catastrophic thinking, woo, give me those intrusive thoughts, guilt when leaving your child in the care of others, even your partner. Oh my gosh. Right? Increased need to control every aspect of your child's care. Yep. And physical symptoms like nausea, headache, racing heart, and panic. Girl, when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, and then on top of it, Get this. They were saying how like our natural thing to like panic or, you know, when you're in a situation, you get into like fight, flight or freeze mode. But when it comes to women and their children, they said that's more for like that's more for men, like when protecting their family. Mm. But for women, they opt. This is from a study taken in 1989. I was very much alive. (laughs) I was in high school. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? As opposed to flight, fight, or freeze, women opt for the tend and befriend theory, which states that in times of stress, we quietly retreat to take care of our offspring. That's the tend part. 
and engage a social network to help us respond to our stress, befriend part. Mm. Over millions of years of evolution, we've learned that we stand a better chance of conquering our stress when we protect ourselves and our children. Tending to our kids... Ding, ding, ding. This was like, what? Aha. Tending to our kids also helps reduce our stress biologically. Mm, oh, I believe it. I believe it. Right? When we spend time with or care for our little ones, our brain releases oxytocin. Oxytocin, a, neuro, a, a neurotransmitter, calms our symptomatic nervous systems and reduces our anxiety. Well, there it is. You're welcome. That is from Dr. Brooks. And I feel like that is sort of that moment where... I get out of the recording booth. I rush to the office where he's hanging out with the babysitter. I say, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll Venmo you. I'll Venmo you. Right, 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 right. And then I stay in that office for another half an hour, nursing, cuddling, calming. Yep. Changing the diaper. Tending. 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 Because you are calming yourself. Because now you've, after all of that, of being away, not being able to tend to... Now you're able to, and it can't, I can't, that's why I loved breastfeeding as hard, as stressful, as painful as it was sometimes. Yeah. In my most stressful moments, I think in my most stressful moments, sometimes I would just pop a boob in that kid's mouth just so I could breathe. Oh, absolutely. So weird, right? But like, so normal. Also, sometimes when I would go into the city and didn't bring him, I would come home and my breasts were like rocks. Oh, Yeah. And I said, oh, my gosh. And I would have to dream feed him because he had already been down. <laughs> and not only was it the sweet physical relief, but you're absolutely right. It was the oxytocin mm -hmm. that's released when you're tending to the most precious thing in your life. Mm -hmm. Seriously, my son is five and a half, and I think I might have just had a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> just talking about this, my breasts are like trying to squeeze milk out. There's nothing in there. Nothing in there. There's nothing in there. There's nothing no. in there. They're just wind socks now. Okay. It's all good. It's crazy. And for me, I always like, they say in here, like part of like what to do about it is like, you know, name it. Talk about it with your friends, family, or a medical professional always. Sure, sure. And visualize positive and negative outcomes of leaving your child. Sometimes you just have to like go there to get there, you know? That's interesting that they say negative because I feel like I would go in the opposite direction because what was the one of the ones that you said about the catastrophic thinking catastrophic thinking thank you that's me so i was like oh i don't know if i would be able to open the, that door because i would just like all of my anxieties would be like a herd of elephants and would just break that door down of negative thoughts but also it's acknowledging okay this is what's happening in my head it's objectively stepping back and saying mm -hmm. okay this is what i think might happen mm -hmm. not what probably is gonna happen like keep it logical Exactly. That's what my therapist always says. She's like, all right, let's think of the worst thing that could happen. And I'm like, yes. okay. I'm like, you want to open that door? <laughs> okay, girl, here we go. And she's like, okay, now that we have, how does that feel? Do you think that's really going to happen? And I'll be like, uh, no. And she's like, not. okay, so probably not. She's like, okay, then great. Let's move on from that. But just saying it out loud, visualizing it helps you. And they also recommend start small. Like when leaving your kid, if you have the anxiety, don't start off with a week-long European vacation, you know. <laughs> Don't do that. Just like, you know. I also get it that people do. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh my gosh, my mom can stay with the baby, with our, you know, nine-month-old baby for four nights. We're going to Cancun. Like, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. So baby steps. 
Yeah, so just babysits, like step, like small, like you know, go for a walk, maybe have your neighbor, mm-hmm. have your neighbor watch your kid, like on your porch, on your stoop, you know, outside of a cafe while you take a walk around a park or around the block or something. This one was really lovely, and I was like, okay, give them space outside of your mind, and that will help you let go of them. That's a good idea. Oh, I love the way they put that. Right? I was like, oh, right. If you like visualizing it, naming it, doing all of these things, starting small, giving yourself that space to think of them outside of your mind, outside of your thoughts, outside of your fears, outside of your stress will help you let go of them. That's really great. And I think that that's continuous, right? Like I got to visualize these kids going to college. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Well, that's what we always say here on Todd Perg's is like, We are planting the seeds now for them to be the people that we are excited for them to be later on. And one of those things is independent. Yes. Right? Of us. Yeah. 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 It's what we got to do. They're not ours to keep. And of course, just we have to say this because Molly and I are actors. We only play doctors on television. (laughs) Occasionally. Is address underlying issues with a therapist and or medical professional. Oh, yes. As it could be. Uh, postpartum issues, pre-existing anxiety, or lack of emotional support. There's so many things that could be like attributing to this maternal uh, separation anxiety. So just, you know, get help. There is help. Get help for you. Yes, that's a great point. And I just want to also point out, Blair, I love the things that you said that will help any kind of parent or maternal figure in these kids' lives. But also so many of them apply to how we can help our kids through their separation anxiety, too. For sure. I mean, baby steps. Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. Going in the other room. Maybe that's a good step. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because how often are you just attached? And it is good to be attached to your kid. I carried my kid around a baby carrier all the time. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved Mm -hmm. doing dishes with Mm -hmm. him on my back when he could sit up on his own, of course, when it was safe. But like, but I love that, love that, love that. But that is a good point, like baby steps. Have the kid outside with your neighbor while you're inside. And then a little farther, and then a little farther, and then a little longer, then a little longer. And it's for you and for your kid. Yeah, I love that. Those are kind of universal. Mm-hmm. And they said that too, it's like sometimes the separation anxiety can come from us. So it makes sense that like some of us may suffer from, you know, because it's like they learn, you know, of course they're learning everything from us. But that includes like the anxiety that we may feel. Yes, they feel it. Yeah, they may feel as well. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to kind of bounce back to one thing you said earlier, which is sort of the three stages infant. No, yeah, infant, toddler and preschool. Yeah, it's a preschooler. Okay, so what about somebody who has a kid who's older than preschooler and right. still suffering from separation anxiety? Still suffering. So there is something called... SAD, which is separation anxiety disorder. Ah. Uh-huh. And that happens and it's kind of sort of starts around age three. And it's when the, the separation anxiety for you looking at your child, when it becomes like worrisome. That's when like the disorder, quote unquote, part comes into it. Okay. And separation anxiety disorder can look like refusing to sleep alone. This is in children three or older. Repeated nightmares with a theme of separation. Lots of worry when parted from home or family. Too much worry about the safety of family members. Mm, Oh, that's interesting. Right. Or too much worry about getting lost from a family or refusing to go to school, refusing to go places. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's 
again, it could totally be in the article that I wrote. Mm-hmm. I sure did. On no, top good of- for you, Blair. <laughs> I knew you had it in you. I know. It's there. <laughs> The article from the Healthy Children, uh, Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. She's the author of uh, Mama Doc Medicine, Finding Calm and Confidence in Child Health Parenting and World Life Balance. That is a title, Dr. Swanson. <laughs> Sounds great. She was like, I just want to do it all. They were like, go ahead. Go ahead. You got, you got it all. <laughs> do it all. Put it all on the title. So she said those are the things to look for. But she also says it, too, can be totally a phase even as they're older than preschooler age so don't freak out Mm -hmm. and she said that this can also like this can go into teenage years you know this is like but this is also it could be stagey or it could be an underlying condition again stagey meaning like a phase a phase yes stagey see i was like like a stage mom like a stage style stage stagey Put it on stage, kid. (laughs) I have a good friend who has an incredible daughter who's a little bit older. And so I know that this daughter still has some real anxiety Mm -hmm. when her mom goes away. Because that's the thing, too, is like I know to help babies out or preschoolers out is to like take those baby steps to get a little bit farther from them for a little bit longer amounts of time. But what I have to think about is not only solo vacations of the parents, where they go together or, you know, on girls trips or guys trips or whatever, or friend trips, but also business trips. Like I went to, I think my first big one, my son had just turned two, maybe. And I went to Chicago for a week to shoot something. And I think, I do think I had a harder time with it than he did, which is a good thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I can imagine that for some parents, they might not be able to take that job. Because not only of their own anxiety and guilt and stress about leaving their kid for that long, Mm -hmm. but also because we can't imagine our child being a child who suffers from so stressed. Yeah. That's hard. That is hard. But here's the thing. Again, there are options and things that we can do to help our kids with if they happen to display signs of social anxiety disorder. Okay, when we come back, I want to hear about them. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do it. We'll be right back. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, everybody. We're back talking about separation anxiety. And what we're going to find out now is what we can do. So it's common with the infant, toddler, and preschool stages. When it gets a little bit older, Blair said uh, it's much like seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's separation anxiety disorder. Both, Both sad. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> So let's bounce back, though, to our little kids, because I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and saying, oh, gosh, I feel like I've tried everything. Right. So what are some things that they can focus on? Well, as always, number one, know that it's all normal. Yep. And what like clicked for me earlier was like separation anxiety equals development. So it's like, okay, perspective, they're learning something perspective, right? So it's like deep breath, this too shall pass. Really, it will. And it'll be very quick in the long run. But maybe before introducing your infant or toddler to someone new, things you can do is wait until your child reaches for the new person. That's a dog rule. Wait till the dog comes to you. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Same thing. In essence, let's just wrap this up now. Just treat your kid like a puppy. (laughs) Thank you for being here. (laughs) They're puppies. That's it. Yeah, wait till the kid reaches for it. That's great. And that's, you know, that's also part of the consent conversation, too. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Which we've spoken about in the past, but like we always say to our son, would you like to give a hug, a high five, or a fist bump, or just a quick wave? And it's kind of the same thing of just taking their, taking our cues from them. Them. Exactly. Remind the new person to take it slow. So, you know, grandma, you know, Auntie Betty, they just want to get it. Come here, you know. But it's like, just give them a second. If your kid like airs on the side of separation anxiety, yeah. just let that person know. Just like, just be calm. Take it easy. So these are specifically tips for when we're introducing our kid to new people and, and they're having some hesitancy. Okay, great, great. Mm-hmm. Love it. And then just in general for separation anxiety, like tips, make sure your children... <laughs> This one makes me like giggle hard. Make sure your child has eaten recently and had a nap. <laughs> and, and make sure your child's caretaker has too. <laughs> make sure everyone is well fed and partially slept. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's so true. It is so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's usually it. It's usually it. Hangry or sleepy. Yep. We get emotional. Mm-hmm. We're not our best selves. We're not our best selves. And that's for life. Yep. That's from zero to 199. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Be reassuring and cheerful. Even, you know, because I know for myself, when I do have those like intrusive, catastrophic thoughts, when I'm feeling anxious myself, I tend to just get real serious inside of myself because I just want to like make things not feel so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But... 
you know, your kids are going to feed off of that energy. So just try to like turn it on its head a little bit and just be reassuring and cheerful. Like you got this, bud. I love you. You're going to be great. I'll be right back. Assuring them that you're going to come back, that you're not going to go to Newark airport and get on a one-way flight somewhere. Who's ever done that? Not me. Um, Nobody's ever gone to Cancun before for four nights just because they got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Also, respect your child's boundaries. Always. You know, like to your point, don't make them hug someone. Yeah. Even if they're a relative. And that's not going to help things anyway if you make your kid do something. Yeah. No, no. Just respect their boundaries. Listen to what they're saying. And as moms especially, sometimes we are a little bit more attuned to those cues when our kids can't speak. So just, you know, kind of groove into that feeling. Yeah. When your kid's giving you those signs and hints. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard. And we've said that before, that societal pressure, when your baby who maybe doesn't have the verbal Mm -hmm. ability to talk yet is clinging to you and you, it's so hard. So, but now here's the other thing though, Blair. (laughs) I remember this so well. I remember this so well. I remember this so well. So they're clinging. You feel their little fingers. You feel their little fingers and you know, you have to go to your audition. You gotta go. So like, (laughs) what do you do? I mean, you can't cancel your life. No. Like, that's the problem. Apparently, there is no pause button on life. There is no pause button, unfortunately. Yes. So what are things we can do to help our kid? Because I cannot, like right now, I'm sitting here and my five and a half year old is is on the other side of the room playing video games. (laughs) But I remember his little fingers holding me and me saying, but I got to get, you know, there's a sound engineer at the other end of this room waiting for me to get in the booth. Right. So how do we help them? How do we set them up for success? Well, again, Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. Dr. Swanson. Dr. Swanson in her beautiful book with its yes. long, long title. She suggests three things. Be consistent. Don't return to the room based on your child's plea, which is hard. Don't return to the room based on your child's plea. Woo, that's hard. Child's plea. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And certainly don't cancel plans based on separation anxiety. Your ongoing consistency, explanations, and diligence to return when you say you will, will are key. I love two things stood out to me in that. One was the explanations. You are keeping your kid in the loop. You're not just disappearing. Exactly. That's really good. And the second thing is your diligence to return when you say you will. Yes. Keep your promises. That's what she says. I'll be right back. And then you go to Cancun for four days. You didn't come right back. (laughs) You didn't come right back. Don't do that. Just be like, I'll be right back after four days when I go to Cancun to take a a breather from all of this. Thanks. (laughs) So keep them in the loop. Yes. Yeah. And then practice being apart. Yeah. Schedule play dates. Send them to grandma's house. Allow friends and family to come over and take care of your kid. Just practice or practice going to another room. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm just going to go to the other room. I'll be right back. And then be right back. And then do that thing. And then do the thing you said. Yeah. And then do that thing. And constant practice, you know, practice makes better practice. Yeah. And then she said something that's kind of interesting. It's kind of made me cackle a little bit. She said a quick goodbye ritual. Even if you have to do a Major League Baseball style hand movements, give triple kisses at the cubby or provide a special blanket or a toy as you leave. Keep the goodbye short and sweet. That's sweet. If you linger, the transition time does too. So will the anxiety. You know, we had a couple of those same examples in our Spirited Child episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which was like, be really clear, like. So that you avoid meltdowns and that kind of thing. Yeah. When you're reading a book, you say, we have two pages left. When the book is over, we're going to close it, go in the other room and make lunch. Like keeping them in the loop. And those goodbye rituals were another thing to help spirited children move from one activity to another. 
And usually this is something that I find interesting is that the times that my child has broken down and been that clingy monster, guess what? Once I've left, they get a snack. Guess what? They're fine. Guess what? Turns out they were hungry. Oh, that's on the list. Yeah, exactly. Hungry and tired. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like when you're in those moments, add that to like your list of like, besides like underneath the guilt and stuff, all those check marks that you're like, I am a terrible parent. Be like, oh, wait a minute. When was the last time they had something to eat? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, my gosh. What was their sleep like last night? Or did they have a nap yet? You know what I mean? It's like, go to the obvious first. Yes. And um, I hate to keep going back to dogs, but I'm going to. No. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. We recently adopted a puppy, as Blair is well aware, because I don't stop talking about him. His name is Taco. Taco. And he's eight months old, and he came from a neglectful situation. And I have learned, even over the three weeks we have had him, that the more times I leave and come back, the calmer he is. Because he's really starting to learn over the last three weeks that when we leave... We will be coming back. I obviously can't talk him through it because he's a dog and I don't speak dog. Don't speak dog. You don't speak no, dog? Yet, but I'm working on it. Yes. I wish there was a babble for that. But I did notice that just that consistency you talked about. Mm-hmm. The more I leave and come back, the more he says, oh, when she leaves, she's going to come back. And I think that's it with kids, too. That's it with kids. That's with like so many things. It's the consistency keeps a sense of calm. Yes. The order keeps a a sense of calm and peace and regulation of emotions and all the like brain chemical function things, you know? Yes. Except for when we dip into the older children and the idea of them having, you know, the separation anxiety disorder. Right. Um, so if you think your kid might be looking at that, it's not when they're hungry. It's not when they're tired. It's, you know, on a much more consistent basis, you're seeing these challenges. It's mostly like when there's a lot of worry. They don't want to part from you. And then it's like there's a lot of worry attached to the behaviors that they're displaying. And what can be done for them is, as always, seek professional medical help. And cognitive behavioral therapy helps with that. Helps with my anxiety. Thank you, Dr. Starling. Bling. Ding, 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 ding. The more you know. (laughs) (laughs) Family therapy and then school resources and input also helps out. You know, get your school, get your teachers involved. Yeah. You know, let people know. The more people know who are close to your children. Yeah. The more that they know, the better off they will be and they can help your child out as well. And they can help them out on an independent basis. Because teachers are more aware than anybody else that every child is an individual. Ain't that the truth? Who has individual needs. Mm -hmm. So that journey for every kid between being worried that you're not going to come back to learning that you will and learning that they'll be okay without you is a different length for every child. My son had maybe he started at his previous school, which he just ended, just graduated pre-K. Don't make me cry. I will cry. Ugh. We got kindergarten graduation move update tomorrow. I don't even know what to do. I don't even. I'm broken. I'm broken. Oh, yeah. So he just finished. He started the day after he was two years old. He ended, you know, five and a half or whatever. And in that time, he had exactly two tough drop offs. Me and my husband probably had more. We get in the car, we cry. (laughs) (laughs) But he only had two. And one of them was fairly recently. He's five and a half. And he was really good. His teacher was is so sweet and incredible teacher. He had two incredible teachers. 
uh, he had many incredible teachers at the school, but his most recent ones. And she said she wanted him to know that she was there for him for a hug or do you want me to carry you? Because I was hugging him and carrying him. And, and he had the language to say, no, I don't want you to. Because that's not what he needed. And she, of course, because she's awesome, immediately backed off and said, no problem. I'm here when you need me. Or, oh, you know, let's go. Or, you know, when it, then when it was time, she was like, let's go play with your friends. Oh, what's this over here? What's this kid doing? What's that kid doing? So they're more attuned, maybe even than we are, to like the things that your kid might need and that you can try. Yep. So I love that idea of involving the school that they go to or if they're, you know, at daycare or whatever, because those are also caretakers in your kid's life who are also invested in them. They're so invested in your children. I got to tell you, Molly, your story reminds me of last week I was dropping my son off at school and there was this little kid who was having a morning. Oh, buddy. I mean, he was screaming and it was like one of those screams that gets every parent's attention. You know what I mean? Where it's like, ooh, and you want to like, you want to go to the mom, you want to go to the kid. And what happened was, is that we had like two monitors that let the kids in and one of them walked over. I mean, he was like running up and down the block, like screaming. And she got down on his level, waited for him to come over to her. And she just talked to him calmly. And then I was like getting to my car, but like slowly, because I was like trying to check this out. I was like, how is she doing this? Teach me your voodoo magic. Teach me your voodoo magic. And she gave him like three options and she kept repeating them. Well, this is what we could do. This is what we could do, or this is what we could do. And then she would just say it over and over again as he screamed through it, as he sobbed through it. And do you know, I took a drive around the block because I'm nosy. And do you know, she had that little boy's hand in her hand and walked him into the gate. She waited him out. She waited him out. And his mom was like standing far away because you could just tell she needed to be at work. She needed to start her. You know what I mean? You could just tell. Yes, of course. I so empathize. And I was just like, I watched the whole thing and I was just like, thank you, universe, for teachers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because they just know what they are attuned. They see this behavior All of the time, but they don't have that like emotional connection. I mean, sometimes they do, but not doesn't run as deep, but they can like see it from an outside POV, get in there and get what needs to be done. Problem solved. I'm pretty sure he had a lovely day. Oh, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. I'm pretty sure he got into the, into his classroom was like, you know what I could use? Uh, Some crackers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I could sure use a handful of Cheerios. And also kids sometimes have bad days. They do. You know, like sometimes we just have a bad day and that's, that's okay. Part of being human. In the grand scheme of things. Yep. It feels so important in the moment and then even a week's perspective, much less five years, is like, oh, he's fine. He just had a bad day. Yeah. It's all all of this. Listen, separation anxiety for our children, for us, (laughs) maternal separation anxiety suffers. It's all normal. It's all part of it. And it's, again can't stress enough. It equals development is happening. It equals that change is happening. They're right where they're supposed to be. Growing up, this just in, is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's breaking up. Yeah, breaking up is real hard. That's a... Because breaking up is hard to do. (laughs) And sometimes it feels like that (laughs) when you leave your kid because that's your best buddy. That's your best buddy, you know? Oh, it's super hard. Those of us who are hearing this maybe with infants or... A little bit older who are going through this, we're going to take baby Mm -hmm. steps. 
We're going to, you know, go a little bit at a time, communicate with our mm-hmm. kid, do say what we're going to do and then do what we're mm-hmm. going to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be back. I'm going to make a peanut butter and banana sandwich. I'll be back in mm-hmm. five minutes. That kind of thing. You're going to hang out with, you know, Mindy from next door. I'm just going to the store. I'll be back in one hour. Here's a timer. Mm-hmm. Here's a timer. <laughs> Take it easy, kid. Yeah, so you can watch it. So you can watch it. You have some control in this. Be consistent. And we're going to be consistent. Yeah. Open and consistent. Mm-hmm. And again, that one thing that Dr. Swanson said is giving them space outside of your mind helps let them go. And it's tough. That's a tough one. But it is like such a lesson and so important for us to know that that's like, that's why they're here. They're here for us to like nurture, help them grow and help them be separate and apart from us. How dare you? Ugh, I know. I know. I can't even think about college. I can't even think about kindergarten. I know. Uh, I know. I know. I know. (laughs) Well, we hope you got some good tips and tricks today. And again, as always, Though Blair and I occasionally play medical professionals on television, we are not nurses or doctors. So always loop in your pediatrician or another trusted medical professional. If you need that support, we, you know, obviously we can't recommend that higher. We're so glad you were here today. Thanks for being here with us. Don't stay away for too long, okay? We might get a little anxious. (laughs) But that's okay because we're going to give you space outside of our minds to grow. Yeah, to grow. If you would do all those things that podcasts ask you to do, rate and subscribe, review, tell your friends is the biggest thing because we love growing our community here of Todd Perg's listeners. And we're going to get through this together. Thanks for being here. Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.